as a believer in, in Jesus Christ who died for me, how do I regard or treat others from whom Jesus also died? This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so now that we have put our faith in him, he takes away our sins. Good morning, my fellow sojourners in this world. Let us never forget that we are pilgrims on a journey through this world. And we are here for a very short while, and then uh, we are taken up to eternity. That is what we are looking up to. That's where, that's what we, that was our praise. That is where our hope belongs in Christ Jesus, living with him in his heavenly kingdom forever and ever. Amen. And so we continue today to read from the book of Romans, which has been teaching over the past several months um, how to live in this world before we are taken up to heaven. We have a responsibility here. We have work to do. We have a life to live. We have a character to develop and to so that we reflect in ourselves the character of Jesus Christ. We should not allow ourselves to be called Christians in name only. Let us be called Christians like the original Christians in the book of Acts of Apostles who are called Christians because they resembled Christ in many ways. Let us pray as we read our, our scripture this morning. Father, we humbly call your holy name our Father, our Savior. And when we call that name, we are reminded how privileged we are to have been created in your image, to be able to think as you think, to be able to see things as you see them, and to see how then you desire for us to live in this world. We have not lived up to, to our calling. We have not lived up to your plan, uh, you know, for, for, for us at creation, and yet in Christ Jesus, you have chosen to restore us from our fallenness back into a relationship with yourself. How privileged we are. Help us, Father, to seize every opportunity to receive this restoration in Christ to receive this salvation that is freely offered now, even knowing that the time is truly short. Help us, Father, to open our hearts to you and invite you in as our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And so we finished chapter 14 of Romans last Sunday. And today we are beginning to look at Romans chapter 15. And we shall read verses 1 to 13. And this is what the word of God says. We who are strong ought to bear with the feelings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should, be, should please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach each to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs, so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy as it is written, Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing hymns to your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and sing praises to him, all you people. All you peoples, I beg pardon. And again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. The Gentiles will hope in him. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That is the word of the Lord. And so, um, our message um, is the gospel is for the Gentiles also. Now, as we saw last Sunday, the whole purpose of our lives as Christians is that in all things, God may be praised in Christ Jesus. Therefore, our lives should be exemplary. I mean, above other things, our lives should be an example to everyone else. We should make it our aim, my friends, to be like Jesus. 
because that is what God intended right from the beginning when he created us. He created us in his own image. Christ bears the image of God. We were created, therefore, to be like Jesus. So let's check in the Gospels and see how Jesus lived, his character, his relationship with God and with the people. And let us know that what Jesus was and what he did is what we are called to be and to do. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Amen? How challenging. And yet we are not called to do this by ourselves, but by the Holy Spirit. And so, my friends, let us admit it. Because of our socialization in the ways of this world, you see, we have been brought to a point where we believe that to succeed in this world, this competitive world, we have to be self-centered. We have to love ourselves. And, yet, and also we have to be mature. We have to be pushy. We have to be aggressive. We have to be even be arrogant. We have to be what is called go-getters. There is, for example, something that is called the rat race. And everyone wants to compete this race, this rat race, with the expectation, with the hope of winning it. But there's somebody who has said, who, I, I mean, who actually negates this, what I think is foolish notion, and I agree with him, and says that there is only one way you can wait the rat race if you are a rat. If it's a rat race, then to participate in it, you need to be a rat. Now in chapter two, in chapter 14 of Romans, which we handled last week, we saw that the Roman church was divided over food, over wine, and over Jewish special, I mean holidays. Now Paul's teaching is that in such situations of disagreement in the body of Christ, in case of such disagreement, whether over food or over other things, 
the strong within the body of Christ have a special responsibility. The strong must not please themselves, but bear with the weak. The weak eat only vegetables and, and have no other choice, but the strong can choose to eat vegetables or they can choose to eat, you know, to, to, eat, to eat meat or even avoid eating meat for the sake of the weak. And so basically, Paul is saying, we are not to please ourselves. In, a, in the body of Christ, we don't do things to please ourselves. We do things to please our God, our Savior Jesus, and to please our other people. We are called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. The strong, therefore, must consider what is good for the what is what is for the spiritual good of his neighbor and what will build him up spiritually this is what being a christian is all about to be christ centered and in all these things christ is our example for christ gave up his rights as God's son, he left his home in glory. He left the privileges of being worshipped by angels in heaven and, become, and became an ordinary, in fact, a poor slave among human beings. And he did this, he gave up his freedoms in order to save us and to give us our own freedom. And this is the principle that the Bible has established as, as an example that we should follow uh, 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 as we live here on earth as believers in Christ. Now, Paul, um, Paul is concerned here in, the, in this writing. He was deeply concerned about divisions in the Roman church. Therefore, in verses 5 and 6, Paul resorts to prayer and he prays for the church. He prays for unity. I don't suppose really that, uh, that Paul really expects expect the church to agree on all things or to be united you know, in all things there will always be disagreements as long as we live here in this sinful world. Rather, Paul prays that even though the Roman Christians may disagree on some matters, they may nevertheless love one another and enjoy real unity and harmony in the gospel. This is the only way Christians can glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let us be reminded that Christian unity is not just an external thing, but an in, but internal work of the Holy Spirit. Now in, in, in verses seven uh, up to 12, 
of our scripture, Paul once again reminds us what Christ has done and what he has done for us. He first came to the Jews to fulfill the promises that had been made to the patriarchs or to the fathers of Israel. But what most of the Jews tended to ignore or even to reject is that God had also made promises to the Gentiles that is, uh, there was a future for the Gentiles in the, in the promises, in the plans and purposes of God. The Jews wouldn't accept that, but because that it would be to bring the Gentiles up, you know, to equality with them. So when Christ died, he did not die for Jews only, but for the Gentiles too. This is Paul's emphasis here. Christ died to save the whole world, in fact. He has saved and brought together people from all backgrounds and cultures and has transformed their minds and such that instead of hating each other, they now love one another as Christ loved them and died for them. Now the Bible teaches that Jesus came to reconcile the world to God. Man, as we are told from the book of Genesis, man sinned and fell into a state of disgrace. And so because of sin, he was separated from God. Sin, sin made this man whom God created to be with him forever uh, into an enemy. And there was no way of restoring this relationship by the initiative of the man himself. So man of, co man of course would, uh, would, would, I mean, tried to bribe his way back to God by making um, offerings, animal sacrifices and all that, but all in vain. Uh, it was only through the death of Christ on the cross that it became possible for man to be forgiven of his sins and be reconciled to God. Jesus was punished in our place and died the death that unrepentant sinners were meant to die. But because Jesus died for us, all we need to do to be reconciled to God is to have a relationship with Jesus through our own repentance, which means changing our thinking about God, about sin, about the world, and also thinking about ourselves to be transformed in our minds. That is what Paul meant when he said that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we no longer see the world, uh, you know, we don't see things through the, the eyes of the world, but through um, the eyes of God in his holiness, in his love, in his peace, and in his overall goodness. And we realize that we are helpless, you know, without Christ, we, we, we are helpless. We came to that realization. That's why we ultimately we get saved when we discover that 
we cannot change our circumstances. We cannot help ourselves from this state of fallenness and this state of condemnation because of sin. We can only be, accept salvation in Christ Jesus. And so when we surrender um, the control of our lives to him, then we became reconciled and he, became, he becomes our Lord, our Savior and our Lord. And so um, God in Christ reconciled sinners to himself. But God also, through the death of Christ, reconciled man to fellow man. And, and, and this is what, um, um, this is what our, our, our text is conveying to us. So we see ourselves as God sees us, as believers. We see ourselves as God sees us. As sinners, we see as God sees us as well. Uh, and so, and then we also see, I mean, as believers now, we see other people differently. And we know uh, um, when we see people the way God sees them as fellow human beings created in God's image, who are valuable to God and for whom Christ died, when we see others that way, even the people who we despise or hate or people who despise us and hate us, when we see things and people through God's eyes, then we become different people. Our eyes are open and we see things differently. We don't need to be told today, my friends, we don't need to be told that the world is, stands divided into many, many bits and pieces and splinters. Humanity is divided by such things as race, ethnicity, this color of our skin, our gender, our social and economic status, our religion, and other petty reasons and excuses. Now the Roman church itself was divided over food. But when you look at it uh, deeper than that, and we mentioned this earlier, we see racial tensions. The Jews were asking themselves, how, how could we live together with these Gentiles? Yes, we are, they have become Christians, but they're still Gentiles. We are the Jews, God's special people. All the promises were made to us through our fathers Abraham and, and, and David and others, not the Gentiles. What are they doing sharing the gift of God with us? They didn't, they didn't come from Egypt. They don't have the law. Why are they receiving salvation on equal terms with us? I mean, things like that. Now, an old song, my friend, an old song, says, put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. Who is the man from Galilee? Jesus. Put your hand in the hand of the man who turned water into wine, who walked on the sea, the man from Galilee, and you will see others differently. Put your hand in the hand of Jesus, my friends, and you begin to see other people differently. My dear and very good friends, 
we cannot possibly claim to be reconciled to God and not be at the same time reconciled to fellow man. Jesus said, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is the evidence to show that you are my disciples. One scripture asks, if you don't love your brother or your sister, whom you see every, whom you see every day and talk to, how can you then pretend that you love God? And so in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, 16, following, Paul talks about the ministry of reconciliation. And he says that those who are in Christ have now become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. As such, as a new creation, we begin to see others differently. We see them in the light of the gospel. And so, given all that has, be, that has been written and all that we have said, our message is this. You know, first of all, let me say that this message was first directed to the Roman Christians. But today, this is our message as well. We own it. It, is, it was written, as the Bible says, all things have been written to teach us. So this particular message has been written to teach us. We have already admitted how we are divided by race, by gender, by social and economic status, by our education, by where we live, the cars we drive, the, 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 the clothes we wear and stuff like that. Silly, childish stuff. And so we are called today, therefore, to thoroughly examine ourselves and our conduct towards other people. Other people within the church and outside, other people in the markets, at the, at the workplace, in business, in, 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 in the government, in schools and other places. Let us ask, let each, 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 each one of us ask himself or herself, as a believer in, in Jesus Christ who died for me, how do I regard or treat others from whom Jesus also died? As Jesus loved us and died for us, so did we, so, so ought we to love for others. We can't physically die but there's a way in which we spiritually die, you know, in order to be filled with the Spirit of God. And then our lives after that becomes life in the Spirit. So we love with the love of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And that's a prayer we need to pray that indeed we may be able to love even those who hate us, whom we don't like or we don't love. Now the goal of our faith is therefore to make us to be much more and more like Jesus, that so that others may see our character and be attracted to Jesus by what we do, what we don't do, how we love, 
and how and, by, and, and, and how we also witness to others. Now, finally, the, verse 16, we are told that Jesus is our only hope. That means, my friends, without Jesus, we are finished. We are done. We are hopeless. We cannot help ourselves. And so then, the message of the gospel is this. Give up your pride. Let us give up our pride, our self-determination, our attempt to self-determination, to help ourselves, to live by ourselves, to pretend that we can do all things. Let us admit that without Christ, who died for us, we are nothing. We are just a heap of dust that walks and talks. Soon and very soon, Jesus is coming back and he's coming back for his own. So are you one of his own? Is your name written in the book of life? Are you living here on earth? Are you practicing your Christianity? And do people see your character and behavior as a behavior and the character of Jesus Christ? Has anybody ever come to Christ because of your words or your character, your kindness, your love, and all that kind of thing? Or are they separated from Christ and swear they will never be Christians because of your behavior? Uh, all these things, my friends, will be judged at the coming of Christ. But let us not do things because we fear to be judged. Let us do things because we love Jesus, because we are obedient as he was and humble as he was. Let us learn to love one another, irrespective of social, economic, political, ethnic, religious differences. We are one in Christ. Amen? So let us live as one. And may God bless you as you determine to do this. Amen. Father, we thank you and we bless you. You have done so much for us, we cannot even tell it all. But we can go and tell other people as much as we can, that they too may get to know you. And then we can live righteously and in holiness and by our character attract other men and other women to yourself, that they too may share in this hope that we possess. Amen. Thank you, God. This book is just tremendous. We have wholeheartedly obeyed the new teaching and trusted If God had not breathed into Adam's nostrils, Adam would have remained just a lump of dust. How should we then treat the Bible? All of us are sinners and saved only by grace. For worship, we were created. And for worship, we should ever live. Jesus died for our sins. And so now that we have put our faith in